Have you ever wanted to get your body back to a certain period or state of time where you really loved your body? In this episode, we're talking with fitness guru Natalia Melo. Uh, she works specifically with women postpartum and healing their body, bodies from the inside out. Um, we are going to learn about what is really necessary to heal your body and to get your body back Aside from all the dieting, counting calories, and all that crazy stuff, you don't need to exercise for hours. You just need to let your body heal. In this episode, again, we are going to cover that with this fitness expert so you can understand what it really takes for your postpartum body to be enough. In this podcast, we explore how doing all the right things, having everything in order, doing it all, and hustling don't actually help us really make an impact or achieve our goals, as well as what actually does. This podcast is for people who want to know that living a vibrant, inspiring life isn't easy or comfortable, but so much more. I'm your coach, Cosette, and this is More Than Enough. Hey, beautiful soul. If you've listened to a lot of podcasts or even one today, I know you get a lot of leave a review and rate on iTunes. And I know you're busy. Your time is valuable. So I'm only going to ask you to leave one review on someone's podcast today, just to show gratitude for the impact it's had on your life. Of course, I would love it if you rate and leave a review for this podcast, the More Than Enough podcast. But either way, please just reach out and rate and leave a review for just one podcast today. Deal? Okay, deal. Now let's get to it today. Hey there, lovely ladies. I want to know how many of you actually love your body the way it is right now. How many of you can look in a mirror and say, I am grateful for my body. I love my body. I am beautiful. Now, if you're like most women um, I believe 95% of women in one of the most recent um, workshops, live workshops that I attended, 95% said not only did they not like their body, but they hated their bodies. And I really don't want that to be you. There is absolutely a bit of a mind sh- mindset shift here for us. Uh, a lot of us will look at our weight We will look at the size of our waist. We will look at the skin and the little pouch on our bellies and we will criticize. We will criticize everything that is going on with our bodies. And then for some reason, we're appalled when our results are that we can't lose weight. Uh, We get into yo-yo dieting. We lose weight. We gain it back two times as much. Um, We just, we can't keep it off. We don't feel healthy. Our gut feels like it hurts. And... (laughs) And I really do feel for you. I know it's hard to really feel beautiful, especially after having a baby. But when we're constantly talking to ourselves like this, we're constantly negative. We look in the mirror and we only see the negative. We are not allowing our bodies to heal in a way that we can then feel beautiful. We, we cannot effectively exercise, give our bodies proper nutrition if we are constantly criticizing it for how it looks. So that's a bit of the mindset work behind there. We'll always do mindset work a little bit, but I do want you to pay attention to what you are saying about yourself and your body. And next time you look in the mirror, if you catch yourself saying something something negative, I want you to say two good things about your body, okay? Even if it's just, my body gave me my children, or my body can get me from point A to point B. I want you to find two things you like about your body for every one thing you speak negatively about it. Um, And this will help getting your mind in the proper way to actually get your body back, to actually start loving your body. Um, We're going to dive into an interview I had with fitness expert Natalia Melo. Um, We're talking specifically about how to heal our bodies after having a baby. Um, It can be a very difficult and challenging time. And I think the mistake a lot of women make, and Natalia agrees with me, is that we try to jump in too fast to losing the baby weight. And we do not allow our bodies the time to properly heal. It took nine months of stretching and moving and shifting and growing for our babies. And then after the baby comes out, we think, 
now. Now you can bounce back, go back in and be like you were before, right? Um, But that's not how this works. And Natalia is an amazing fitness coach specializing in mothers. She works a lot with mothers during pregnancy and especially postpartum to heal your pelvic floor, to heal your abs and to heal your nutrition, especially if you're, whether you choose to breastfeed or not, um, to really heal your body so that you can have your body back and you can love it. Um, Just an intro to Natalia. She has been featured in the Cosmopolitan magazine, as well as Oxygen, Flex magazine, um, and others, both nationally and internationally. She's a wife. She's a mom of two. Um, she got pregnant with her second child when she, when her oldest was, I think, four months old. So she knows what it's like to stretch and push that body like crazy. And yet she still knows how to bring it back and to heal it properly. Um, one of her favorite things is Sauvignon Blanc wine. It's her jam. She loves it. If you follow her on Instagram, uh, you will probably see, um, see that on her feed, but she is on fire. She's a mom on fire and she's on a mission to help mamas learn to really heal their bodies without the negativity, without the false expectations and really knowing how to make their bodies enough. So let's dive into that interview. Welcome, mamas, to the Vibrant Living Podcast. I am here with Natalia Nilo, um, and we're talking about how to heal your postpartum body. So, Natalia, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to hear you. We, um, you know, a lot of times as moms, we, we get pregnant, we have babies, and we kind of forget sometimes to just give our body the time and space that it needs to heal. So I'm kind of excited to hear from your experience on how to do that. Um, I think that, uh, the thing is that a lot of times women forget to think about everything that their body has gone through, um, throughout pregnancy and even, uh, in the birthing process, regardless if you have had a normal delivery or a cesarean, a cesarean, uh, is a, a major abdominal surgery in, um, the, the, the whole natural birth still very taxing in the body and um obviously for the the moms who who trained before pregnancy and everything it is very easy to get caught up on that mindset that as soon as they have the baby they want to go back to exactly where they left pre-pregnancy but before like before pregnancy and after having a baby, there is almost 10 to 11 months in between that you were not exercising uh, to the best of your ability or to to the to your limits. Let's say let's say that before pregnancy, you were you trained very intensely. Obviously, you were not able to you were not able to keep up with that kind of training throughout pregnancy. And I think that that's where the mentality comes. Oh, I'm gonna have the baby, and I'm gonna go back to just where I was. Mm. So I think it is very important to keep in mind and look at pregnancy. Although uh, it is a bit of a weird analogy, but in fact, it is kind of what you have to do is having an injury. You are not gonna have, let's say, an ACL surgery and literally come out of the hospital and be like, oh yeah, let me do some, some sprints. <laughs> yeah, it's, are... it's, a, it's an injury. It's a, like a trauma for sure. Yes, yes. Uh, uh, and obviously, like it is a very good quote unquote, I'm doing air quotes now, <laughs> uh, <laughs> injury. But ultimately it is a, like the body needs time to rehab. The body needs time to readapt. And because there are some so many physical changes that come with uh, uh, pregnancy and with the process of getting the body to where it was before pregnancy, you need to give your body time to adjust and to recognize those changes and instead of, of just pushing it and, and going crazy uh, um, to get back to where you were. Awesome. So from that, I kind of have two questions then. So um, the first is how much time is actually reasonable to give your body to heal? Um, I know that a lot of things in fitness, uh, um, 
the answer is it depends. <laughs> definitely one of those scenarios because you have to remember that uh, even even for the same lady for the same woman mm-hmm. pregnancy number one might be completely different from pregnancy number two recovering from pregnancy one might be completely different from recovery recovery number two and recovery number three in if you have five six kids every woman that i have spoken to and every woman that i have coached they say it like every pregnancy is different and every recovery is different so i although i know that it is not what women want to hear it really depends and there is a big mistake that i think a lot of women make when it comes to oh yeah my doctor gave me the all clear so let's go back and and just lift heavy things or or uh sprints like mad women um the, the doctor who gives you the clearing at six weeks, it's normally a, a, an obstetrician or a midwife or, or a health professional of this type. These type of professionals, they are qualified to address the, uh, um, like, okay, so it looks like the wand, it's, it's healing, it's, it's okay, it looks, it looks healthy, but they are not specialized to check for your pelvic floor. They are not specialized to check for, for your diastasis recti your, or to see if you're having signs of prolapse, which is uh, for, for your, your um, listeners who are, who are not familiar, prolapse is when uh, your organs um, start to come through the, the vaginal and anal wall like the canal. So basically your organs are dropping out of your body. Uh, so these, uh, 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 the, the gynecologist or, or uh, OBGYN, they are not the specialists in checking for this kind of stuff. So you get the all clear from your, your uh, gynecologist or whoever, obstetrician, and then you're like, oh, I'm fine. Let me just go back and start running again. And it doesn't really work like that. Uh, um, you have to pay attention for your, your body feedback. If something doesn't right, doesn't feel right, probably isn't. So it is important to, if something doesn't feel right, to check with a, a, a physical therapist who is specialized in pelvic floor health and women's health, the abdominal separation and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, awesome. So, so then what happens if a woman tries to push herself and to, to be right there back where she was pre-pregnancy too fast. Like what happens to her body? Obviously we cannot say per uh, like certain a hundred percent. Oh yeah. This is what's going to happen to you a hundred percent because again, everybody is different. I know women who two Absolutely. weeks after had giving birth, they were signing up for marathons. But it, it, it is completely up to them. But I think uh, um, pregnancy, it's not forever. Mm-hmm. But the postnatal is in how you treat your body on that uh, postnatal stage and how uh, you, you, you resume exercising and how you rehab your body. If you don't do that right, the consequences from not doing that uh, not treating your body correctly on that period can stay with you for the rest of your life. So the idea is don't try and jump in it too fast before your body's ready, or you're going to have more challenges that are going to last you far longer than pregnancy ever did. Yes. Uh, because like, for example, I don't know if people are familiar with their pelvic floor muscles, uh, the pelvic floor muscles are basically the muscles that hold all your, your, uh, organs like your, uterus, uh, your, your bladder, your, uh, like to a certain extent, a little bit of your intestines and, um, they keep everything and everyone where they should be in during pregnancy because of the hormonal changes. And because of obviously the weight of the baby on top of that muscle, you, you think about that muscle almost as a, a, a sling and okay. the baby basically like the baby and the amniotic flu- fluid and everything uh, sits on top of it so it mm-hmm. is a, quite a lot of weight for that muscle group and especially uh with uh, uh normal delivery that there is the extra stress of pushing especially if you had a long pushing phase mm-hmm. that can add uh, and just a quote unquote here that doesn't mean that women who had c-section don't have pelvic floor issues but um the normal delivery can add a, an extra stress, an extra uh, yeah, the force of pushing. 
Yes, uh, which which can add unnecessary stress on those muscles. So um, let's say that that mus those muscles are already a, a bit uh, beaten up because that's basically what what has happened. <laughs> yeah. Then uh, you you don't give them time to fully recover and to fully rehab themselves. And okay, let's get back here and try to go back to where we were before and then you jump into kind of high impact uh, exercises uh, which to a certain extent running is if you think yeah. about running it, there is like constant pounding or if you go back to doing plyometrics like block box jumping and stuff like that you are going to be adding and and again the, those although you don't have the baby there anymore you still have the organs there so mm -hmm. as you're creating that kind of movement, there is going to be added impact on your pelvic floor, which okay. it's not going to be very helpful if those muscles are already a bit debilitated from the pregnancy and birthing process. Okay. That makes sense. So it's kind of that same, the same reason that women will jump on a trampoline after having a baby and like pee their pants. Yes. And here's the thing, peeing yourself, when, like there is still a big taboo about talking about incontinence. Yeah. It, like it isn't normal, but it is common. And women are being encouraged to just, uh, oh yeah, just deal with it. You don't have to deal with it. There are modifications that you can do uh, to your training uh, and to your, your routine and to the way you engage your muscles and that you train to educate your body to be able to cope with the force and the pressure that comes when you're doing certain exercises. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that it, that's why it is so important after you have a baby to make sure that if you do get a trainer, to make sure that you're working with a trainer who, who, who understands the physical changes and who understands. Uh, another thing that I see very often is the whole, oh, I have the mummy pouch. I'm going to do crunches. <laughs> it doesn't really work like that. Uh, mm -hmm. um, whenever you're pregnant, your body needs to make space for the baby. Right. And as your, your, uh, like your belly grows, your abdominal muscles have to separate. Mm -hmm. And then there is that big panic that a lot of women who are familiar with diastasis recti, which is the abdominal separation of your muscles, uh, they're like, oh my God, I have diastasis recti. Well, 100% of women do have diastasis recti during pregnancy. It is almost physiologically speaking impossible for you to not have it because the baby has to grow. And as the baby grows, it is gonna pull your abdominal muscles to the side. Mm -hmm. So as you're pregnant, you have to try to avoid exercises. You're gonna put unnecessary pressure on that gap. Okay. And that is the same thing after you have the baby, especially for the six, eight weeks after you have the baby, to make sure that the exercises that you're doing are not putting uh, unnecessary pressure on that gap that you have between the two abdominal walls. Right. And that is what crunches, is not that crunches per se are horrible, it is that most people do not know how to control the pressure whenever they're doing. So they end up adding, like, so imagine that you have one stick in one, the right side and another stick on the uh, on the left side and then you're trying to push a ball through that that's kind of the feel that it has with your your like organs pushing through that little gap that you have between the two poles ah, okay so the pressure is kind of taking your organs and kind of pushing them through that gap which is yes. helping the healing process boom that's it and, and having the pressure on your, uh, uh, that it, this is called, can I talk a bit complicated here? Go for it. <laughs> okay. So on your abdominal cavity, you have something that is called IAP, uh, intra-abdominal pressure. Okay. And um, like whenever you, everything, the breathing and the pelvic floor and the muscles here, are, they're all working together. That pressure is very uh, coordinated. But whenever okay. something is a bit, quote unquote, air quotes again, uh, are a bit out of whack. So mm -hmm. let's say that you have a little bit of a, uh, you have a, 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 a diastasis recti. And just for the record, record uh, uh, diastasis recti 
it's only consider, considered cl a clinical diastasis recti whenever it's two centimeters or more. Anything less than that, it isn't uh, something of big concern unless it comes with symptoms. Uh, so let's say that you have that gap. The pressure is going to get a bit messed up because you have that gap where the pressure can come out off. Mm. So you have to educate your body to breathe and to keep the pressure that is not putting unnecessary pressure through the hole. Uh, okay. Okay. So then what kind of exercises can you do that keep the unnecessary pressure away from that space while you're healing? Uh, okay, so it's it, it would be more like kind of breathing exercises to make sure that the, the pressure is being well distributed. So like uh, as you look down at your belly, if you see that there is a, a, a bulging coming mm -hmm. in the middle of your belly, that is a sign that the pressure is a bit out of whack. So you almost have to try to concentrate and focus on your pelvic floor. And for the ones who don't know, a lot of women do not know where the pelvic floors are. Pelvic floors are the muscles that you use to control when you have to pee. I'm uh, so glad you said that because I honestly did not learn about my pelvic floor until after my third child. And I'm like, that's far too late for me to be learning about my pelvic floor. Like, yeah, this is important. Yeah, no, yeah. I, and I get, like, it's funny. I got a message on Instagram the other day about a lady asking me if I could demonstrate some pelvic floor exercises. And I'm like... I, don't, I, I think my account would be banned if I were to show some pelvic floor exercises. <laughs> <laughs> so that tells me that people are not familiar with where their pelvic floor uh, uh, muscles are. So mm -hmm. they are like the pelvic floor muscles are basically the one that um, whenever you have to, one that you hold it, uh, mm -hmm. whenever you have to pee, the one that holds the pee, that, those are all your, your pelvic floor muscles uh, that uh, um, control. Okay, so someone someone once told me when I was looking into this after my third child, I had pretty pretty bad separation. It was like four fingers apart okay. um, in my abs. And so I was looking up stuff um, about the separation and how to heal it. And one, I mean, this was a YouTube video, so tell me if this is wrong. But they were saying it's like imagining you have a zipper from um, that down there in your woman parts and zipping up like to your stomach. So you're zipping everything together. Is that yeah. correct? Yeah. That, that, these would be for your pelvic floor mostly, okay. but they are all connected pelvic floor okay. and diastasis recti. But here's the thing. There isn't necessarily a correlation that if you have diastasis recti, you will have pelvic floor issues. The thing is that most of these uh, this, uh, problems happen with the same population with the, is the postnatal population. Mm -hmm. okay. So that's why, um, so it's almost like trying to debate what came first, the egg or the chicken. It is very hard. Yeah, but it is, it is very hard to know if they are correlated or not because they're all uh, continuously happen happening in the same uh, population. So we don't know if, and there is very little study because if you look at it, um, women just start to really exercise and start focusing on, on like the way they look and stuff like that during pregnancy from what, like, late 80s early 90s maybe in in just like it's just more so that's when these studies start to happen so we're looking we only have roughly 30 years if that worth of studies for something that has been happening forever which women have been giving birth since the beginning of times yeah so we really just don't know that much about it honestly yeah yeah that, that it is and that is a Big problem because also um, even when it comes to like uh, people constantly asking me about oh what about protein powder when you're you're pregnant when you're breastfeeding ethically speaking it is very complicated to do researches and things like that uh, in pregnant and breastfeeding women just from an ethical standpoint right. so a lot of things people just say no not because it is in fact bad but it is because there is very little research to mm -hmm. say yay or nay. Right. You're like, we really don't know how this affects you or your baby. So maybe just avoid it because yes, yeah. we don't know. Yeah. And some doctors are becoming a bit more, uh, um, a bit more open-minded when it comes to this kind of stuff, because I think that it, it is another, another problem as well when it comes um, to, as I, I was saying, powder and things like that. Some doctors don't even know what like branching amino, amino acids or uh, 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 protein powder is and stuff like that. So they just say no, because they're not familiar with it. Yeah. 
They're like, I don't know what that is, so no. No. <laughs> yeah. Which is the safer answer, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. But uh, back to your the zipper analogy. Yes, you almost like every time that you're exercising your pelvic floor muscle, you need to imagine that you're sucking it in and not pulling it out. Because if you're like doing your kegels and 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 like pushing it out, you're kind of defeating purpose. Okay, so you're kind of counterintuitive. Yeah, yeah. So you almost wanna wanna imagine that there is a straw there and that you're like sucking the straw. Okay, okay, that makes sense. This imaging is so weird because you're like, how do I make my muscles work like that? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, it's 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 very uh, and even it is a bit taboo, especially as well, depending on which culture, because you're talking about people's vagina. Like, uh, let's yeah. just say. So, <laughs> So, like, even when you're, like, different cultures and stuff like that, they're more open to this kind of talk. Mm -hmm. uh, like, yeah, okay. I'm like, okay, imagine that you have, like, a straw inside your vagina and you're, like, pulling it up. And then they're like, yeah, okay. But then some people you tell and they're like, ah, the horror. I'm like, you, <laughs> you have one, don't you? What? Ah. <laughs> yeah, yes. Were you talking about? <laughs> yeah. You're like, well, it has a name, okay? Like, yeah. <laughs> speaking, it has a name, people. Like, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> so, kind of going back to like some of the the positioning, you know, I've had a lot of uh, members of my audience asking, um, like, if they do yoga, for example, um, or other light workouts when they're pregnant, are there certain positions like laying on their back or other things that are causing more separation and more issues with their pelvic floor? Um, okay. So whenever uh, I, I wouldn't like, I would be lying if I told you that I'm very well versed in yoga, yoga isn't really my gem. Okay. Uh, so, and so I like, even if people told me the, the terms and the poses and you'd be shh, go right over. <laughs> my uh, but I know, for example, there are things that you want to try to avoid because they are going to increase the pressure. Anything that forces you to kind of like hold your breath. If you imagine yourself holding your breath, you are adding pressure. You're creating pressure in your abdominal uh, uh, wall that is already under pressure because it has a mini person in there. Mm. Okay. So any workout that you're doing, no matter what it is or what, like, what position you're in, if it's causing you to kind of hold your breath, you probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, it's not even that I should be doing. Again, it is because the whole thing, most people do not know how to properly, properly distribute their uh, pressure in their abdominal cavity. So it isn't that it's like, oh my goodness me, that's it. It is destroyed if you do that. But it is just because um, you would have to have somebody like there with their eyeballs on top of you to look and see if it is everything being properly distributed. So it is easier to just say, okay, anything that you feel like it is adding unnecessary pressure and that is making you hold your breath, it might be best to avoid. Okay. Um, and like very, very, very heavy lifting. Like, and, and again, heavy lifting is very relative. Rel relative. Um, right. If you get a power lifter who gets pregnant and you get somebody who never exercised um, or who it's a recreational exerciser or gym goer that goes to the gym twice a week and just does a few bits and bobs. Yeah. What is heavy for, what is heavy for this person, the, the recreational one, it's going to be Mickey Mouse stuff for the power lifter. So right. just keep that in mind. So extremely heavy loads can also add some kind of pressure on, on, um, on your abdominal walls, pelvic floor, um, crunches again, because of the whole distribution of pressure, wouldn't be something that I would be recommending. It wouldn't be my, my go-to option for exercise. Um, and also the, the line on the back, what happens is that you have something that's called the vena cava that brings, uh, blood up. Um, mm -hmm. and it's right. Like it's, it's, it sits right underneath where the baby is on, on like almost like on your back. So whenever the person lies down, um, depending on how the baby is in your belly, it can, it can cut circulation there. That's why as the baby grows, you get a little faint 
if you're lying on your back and you're like, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to die. Yeah, like you, yeah. you almost feel a bit loopy, which yeah. it is because there is a, like there can be a bit of a cutoff circulation, which wow. then makes you feel a bit dizzy. That's why I, I wouldn't prescribe unless for, I were there to watch a pregnant lady and uh, watch for, for biofeedback, see if she's feeling well, see if she's looking like she's feeling dizzy. Um, I wouldn't prescribe lying on the back exercises, especially for women under end of second trimester and third trimester. Okay. And on, what about like planks while you're pregnant as well as postpartum? Um, I, again, it's the whole pressure thing. Okay. He always goes back to the pressure. A lot of people, whenever they do planks, they tend to like push it forward. Ah, and as you push it forward, imagine, imagine that like there is the pressure that is being put forward on the two abdominal walls. They're already separated. Mm. So that's where it comes. So for example, I would much rather have somebody do a plank against the wall because there is going to reduce some of the pressure. Uh, or if they are a bit more advanced, do on a bench, on a higher bench. Okay. Uh, and and that, those would be my variations uh, for, for pregnant ladies instead of a full front plank. Gotcha. To kind of help that pressure so they're not giving more than they really should be. Yes, yes, that is correct. Okay. So then what about for women... Um, cause I know some listeners haven't like just had a baby. So some of them maybe have, um, a one year old or maybe their baby's like 12 years old and they still have some separation or pelvic floor issues. Like what should they do about that? I think that the first course of action would be, um, I, I, I want to assure them this is common, not normal, but it is common and it needs to be addressed. You do not need to live with it. So this would be the first thing uh, uh, that I would that tell them. Um, and you have to speak to a specialist. And somebody who specializes in that is a women's health physical therapist. They would be the first course of action. And if you do want to keep on exercising, make sure that you find a fitness professional that knows what the hell they're doing. Because this is something that I see too often and uh, it's not really my jam to be uh, criticizing other fitness professionals' work because I know everybody's in it to help people. But right. whenever you don't know what the hell you're doing and you're dealing with moms, you're not helping. Mm. So you're I throwing out random advice and it's like... Not random, even random exercises. Like let's say a woman just has a baby and then she goes to one of those mommy and me uh, boot camps, which I think is fantastic. It encourages women to leave the house, to be able to exercise with their baby. So I don't think there's a problem. My problem is whenever these people who are giving this mommy and me boot camps are putting women who have just had a baby to do box jumps, to do crunches, to do twisting movements, to do all this kind of stuff that recent postnatal women and women who are suffering with diastasis recti and they wanna have more kids or if they have uh, pelvic floor issues and they're being told that, oh, it is okay, just keep on going. Mm. That, that is not okay. So make sure that you are working with a fitness professional who knows how to deal with these kind of uh, issues mm -hmm. so they can make the correct adjustments uh, to your training in order for you to be able to perform at the best of your ability without feeling embarrassed. <laughs> without being like, oh, I feel so ashamed because my body is still not working like it's supposed yeah. to. Right? Yeah, and, and, and it, it, it is inevitable to feel like your body's failing you. And your body's not failing you. You're just not having the correct guidance. And mm -hmm. that, that is one of the things that frustrates me the most. And, and again, because there is... Um, so like there isn't a whole bunch of uh, study out there and there's so much conflicting information. Uh, I understand how it can be uh, frustrating for a mom mm -hmm. uh, to like, where do I go? Absolutely. But there are professionals out there who, who know what they're talking about. And again, uh, uh, if, am I allowed to curse? <laughs> um, I don't think most of my audience likes it, but <laughs> okay. well, if it smells like poop and it looks like poop, it probably is poop. 
probably fair. <laughs> uh, so if, if the person is giving you some advice that you feel like it doesn't make sense, mm. question, ask and be like, okay, what, like, is it uh, like, why? Why should I be doing this? Yeah. Yeah. Incur I, I like, I encourage even like the girls that I coach, I encourage them to question me. I want them to question me because that, that makes me a better coach. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really love, I really admire that trait about you. Um, because I feel like sometimes as women, we go into, I mean, even with our, our OBGYNs, right? You're like, I don't know what pregnancy is. I don't know what it's doing to me. And you kind of just go in and expect this other authority figure, air quotes, to just tell you what's going on with your body. But it's like, like you said, every pregnancy is different. Every body is different. Yeah. And sometimes you need to say, this feels weird to me. Will you explain why I'm doing this? Right. Yeah. And, and even, even during pregnancy, um, so that when you kind of come after, you can ask health professionals like you and say, does this sound right? You know, so you're yeah. really caring for your body, correct? Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and, and even I think about the expectations, um, I think that because of uh, the, 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 evolvement of social media in the evolvement of people's access to other people's lives mm -hmm. uh, which most of the time it is just the good part of other people's lives which right. i understand nobody wants to be washing dirty laundry on social media like Here, let I, me show you I, watching throw up off my baby's clothes like yeah, no but not only that like oh let's say that my my husband annoyed me and and drove me a bit insane and I want to like stab him in the eyeball I'm not gonna go on Instagram and be like you know what like I would really would like to like stab my husband in the eyeballs because <laughs> like you know so I understand trying to keep from from showing every little detail but I think it is right. important to keep realistic expectations you're not gonna walk out of the hospital looking like Kate Milton you're not gonna like it, it, I mean, I, I give props to her because I don't see how somebody would want to be wearing heels and putting makeup on just hours after giving birth and waving at photographers. Mm, so, I think, yeah, yeah, it sounds horrific. So I do think that it is very important to keep realistic expectations. Yes, you are going to look pregnant for very, like for some time after you have a baby. Um, and some people might be just genetically blessed and that's great, but mm. I don't know anybody personally, myself included, that was able to fit on uh, their jeans about a week after they, they had a baby. Yeah. It took a good while. It takes time. Well, and I think with each additional child, it takes more time as well. Um, yeah. At least that's what I've noticed with myself. Like my first, it was a lot faster as opposed to my third child. It took significantly longer. It could be as well uh, something to do with age. Uh, mm -hmm. Not saying you're old, but uh, I don't like you had your first baby. What like six years ago? Six years ago, yeah. So I mean, you 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 have to remember about the chronological clock ticking as well, True. and it is different when you're twenty something years old. Your body doesn't have uh, hasn't as many diets and as many uh, because all that has an impact on how your body responds to different uh, types of uh, diets and things going forward. So the more diets you do, the more difficult it becomes for you to lose weight going forward. Which is such a fascinating concept. I love, I really love your, um, your perspective of diets and nutrition as well. And I, let's kind of dive off a little topic for a second and talk about postpartum nutrition. Okay. Should women, I see women doing this all the time and it kind of kills me. Should you be restricting your calories and trying to go on a diet to lose your, your tummy weight or whatever after having a baby, even if it's like three months later? Um, are we talking about breast? Pumps? Um, let's kind of do both. So if you're breastfeeding versus not. Okay. So you're, for you to lose body fat, you have to be in a caloric deficit. Right. What is a caloric deficit? A caloric deficit is when you eat less than you use mm -hmm. the good old calories in versus calories out. Okay. Right. Um, so 
you do have to a certain extent be restricting your calories if you want to lose body fat. Mm -hmm. uh, for breastfeeding moms, it is a bit trickier because breastfeeding itself um, requires calories. Right. So um, there is, and there is a bit of a misconception that exercise reduces milk supply, which in reality, it isn't that exercise reduces your milk supply. Exercising is going to increase your caloric output mm. calories out. Right. So let's say that you're eating the same amount that you were eating before, but then you eat, you add an extra three, 400 calories that you're burning when you're working out. Mm -hmm. So the problem is not the working out. The problem is the reduction in the total amount of calories that you are actually taking in. Mm -hmm. uh, so the solution for that would be to slightly increase your caloric intake to make sure that it's taking into account the exercise and the breastfeeding. And because ultimately, whenever a woman is breastfeeding, the main concern is it is the well-being of the baby. Right. It is to make sure that the baby is being nurtured and, and, and fed and that it's getting all the nutrients. Um, we have to start with breastfeeding moms at a much higher intake and it slowly come down to see at what point, where is the sweet spot? Mm, okay. Where, where, Where's the sweet spot that the woman is losing body fat, but her milk supply is not being affected. And don't get me wrong. I've had clients, uh, Maria, like it's one of my girls, very good example. She, she like the girl has a six pack nice. and she, and she's breastfeeding. Yeah. And then I had, I have another girl who joined me uh, as soon as she, she had her baby and um, she managed to lose about, I would say between uh, 35, 40 pounds in okay. a period of five months, six months, which is doable, sustainable, realistic. And all this was done with while she was breastfeeding her baby. Mm -hmm. So it can be done, but it requires a little bit more of expertise from the person you're working with to make sure that they know what the hell they're doing. So if you're trying to lose weight, if you're trying to lose that extra weight while you're still breastfeeding, it is really ideal to find a professional to help you and not try and go it on your own. Yeah, because I have had girls come to me saying that they're like eating 1,200 calories a day and you're breastfeeding. I'm like, what are you doing? Stop it. <laughs> Let's stop right here. Yeah. Uh, so, um, and, and there is this idea of the 1,200 calories um, mm -hmm. that it, like somehow, somewhere, it became the magic number for diets, which yeah. it's not true. Like, I don't know where the number came from. I don't know who created it. And I don't know what makes people believe that it is a magic number, but it is, everybody's different. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, that is something that it is important to keep in mind. And even if, let's say the idea of the 1200 calories, it is the amount that you need to lose weight and blah, blah, blah. That isn't taking into account the probably four or 500 calories that you're t using to produce breast milk. Mm, gotcha. So you absolutely have to take into account the calories for breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And your, your daily activities as well. So is that why sometimes women will say like, oh, I have the last five pounds or my last 10 pounds of baby weight to lose, but I have to wait till after, you know, it's like, oh, after I stop breastfeeding, then I can lose the weight. Because, right? oh, the thing is that because whenever you, you, you stop breastfeeding, you can be a bit more aggressive. On your approach to the calorie restriction mm -hmm. that that is why some some women uh, um and and it, it really depends from woman to woman some women hold on to a little bit of uh body fat whenever they're breastfeeding and others don't but if you look at the bigger picture like most women gain what when they're pregnant between 25 35 pounds give and take would that be, be a, a number yeah yeah uh, five pounds it's it's really not that big of a number so but so who am, but who am I to say what is big and what is not big, but looking at the bigger picture, let's stop focusing on the trees and look at the forest. Right. So stop focusing on the tiny little bit of gut you've got and just, I'm breastfeeding my child. My child's healthy. I've lost most of my weight. It's going to be okay. Like, yeah, it is going to be okay. And then, um, if he does require a bit of a more aggressive approach, then that is, that is why it is best you wait until you're done breastfeeding because then you can, um, you're not going to be sacrificing anybody else's well-being. 
that's like that ultimately that that's what it is. Uh, because if you go in a very aggressive uh, diet approach and caloric restriction as you're breastfeeding, you're not only compromising your well-being, you're compromising your child's well-being as well. And that is something that it is important to be mindful. Absolutely. So then for moms who aren't breastfeeding, is it safe for them to be a little bit more aggressive with losing that? Uh, air quotes again. Yes, safe. But here's the thing. Um, our bodies are not stupid. Okay. And we do have a, a, a how many people do you know that have yo-yo diet? that they got in a, let's say, keto diet, and then they lost, they're like, oh my goodness me, this is amazing. I've lost 50 pounds. And then you see that person six months or a year down the line, and they have not only gained the 15 pounds, they have gained 25 pounds. Mm -hmm. because, so many. Yes. And that is why it is important to um, have a sustainable approach to your nutrition because our bodies are not stupid. Our bodies were made uh, to protect itself from starvation because from an evolutionary standpoint, when you look at it, our bodies, uh, like going back hundreds and hundreds of years, mm -hmm. you ate today, but then you didn't know when you were going to eat again. So our bodies has made a way of tricking itself and slowing itself down when he notices that there is very little coming in mm. so your metabolism slows down like your metabolism can slow down by up to 500 calories wow so basically it means that you're like whenever you're in an extreme caloric restriction your body can stop using or burning up to 500 calories because it knows that it is going through famine because ultimately a diet is controlled in starvation. And if not done correctly, you're setting up your whole hormonal system and your whole body and its self-defense system mm -hmm. to not only regain the weight, but also prepare yourself by storing more fat for the next time that you diet again. Ah, so that's why yo-yo dieting is yeah. really not helpful. <laughs> yeah, so let's just say... Um, do you know what is the success rate of a diet? Uh, isn't it like 2% or something really low? From a three years, like from a follow-up of three years after somebody has lost weight, there is only a success rate of 5%. Success rate being keeping the weight off. So uh -huh. there, is, there isn't a problem about losing weight. Anybody can lose weight. The problem is keeping it off. And that right. comes from the sustainability of your approach. Mm -hmm. Let's say somebody loves to eat bread and loves to eat rice and whatever it is, whatever else it is. Um, this person has a social life and likes, I don't know, to go for a glass of wine with their spouse once a week. Right. It is not realistic of me to ask that person to stop eating bread and stop eating rice and right. never drink a glass of wine ever again, because those things are part of their lives. Right. Why not teach them how to eat those things in a moderate way that it is still going to give them results, but they just need to learn how to eat an amount in which is not going to affect their goals. I love your approach to this. I really do. I really do. So... Okay, we're going to kind of wrap up a little bit. I did miss oh, I did miss one question from a reader. And maybe okay. you can tell me if we kind of talked about this a little bit. But so the, the things that we do to prevent or lessen the effects of uh, diastasis recti, recti um, or issues with our pelvic floor, is that the same for someone who has pubis symphysis dysfunction? Okay. No. <laughs> they're, 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 they're a bit different. So... Okay. Symphysis dysfunction. Whenever you're pregnant, there is there is a hormone in your body okay. that um, makes your joints and ligaments and everything like a combination progesterone and and relaxin. These okay. hormones make your joints and ligaments and everything relax. Mm -hmm. And from a birthing standpoint, it right. is yes. because imagine if your hips didn't have any movement. Ooh. when a baby is going through it. 
Right. So from, from a birthing standpoint, yes, it is absolutely 100% necessary. But you have uh, 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 something in between your, your hip bones that is the symphysis. Okay. That it's, it's, it keeps, it's a joint that keeps everybody kind of together. Oh, and okay. whenever the laxity, laxity, okay, the, like whenever everything gets a bit loose, uh-huh. there isn't much stabilization on your hips. Oh, okay. So it's that joint like on your back. Yeah, it's, it's more like on your, like right around your pubic bonus. Okay. Like, Okay. all around uh, uh, your hips and it okay. comes at the front. Okay. Not at the front, but it's in the middle. It's in the middle. Okay. Okay. Um, so whenever you're suffering from that, the pain is excruciating. The pain, the pain of SPD is like, it feels like somebody is putting a knife. Mm -hmm. I, a little bit of it, especially on my second pregnancy, and I would not, <laughs> I would not recommend to my worst enemy. So, are some exercises that you would like to avoid? Because the problem with it is that already has very little stability on your hips. Uh -huh. It is important to avoid, for example, any unilateral movement. So, any movement that you are standing one leg, you're increasing the lack of stability that your hips are already under. Okay. Okay. So that's recti is one thing and the uh, SPD, it's, it's, it's on your hips. It's very, very different. So like holding your kid on your hip would probably be a bad plan too. Um, well, yes, yes, because whenever you're, you're holding your kid on your hip, you almost have to counterbalance by leaning to the other side. So uh -huh. that is going to create a little bit of an imbalance on your hips again. And uh -huh. even getting in and out of the bat, Imagine the movement that you do when you come out of the car, you swing your leg uh -huh. wide open. Uh -huh. So if you already have a very unstable hip, uh -huh. that's, imagine what that does. You're like just swinging it more out of balance. Like. Yes, yes. So that's why it is very important to kind of like take, uh, take it slowly and getting out of bed slowly. Be careful when you're going up the stairs because again, whenever you're, that movement of going up the stairs, at some point you're gonna be just on one foot. Right, because you're like shifting as you're going up. Yeah. Makes sense, yeah. okay. So someone who has that should really, really focus on trying to keep your hips even and balanced. Yeah, and, and um, SPD, there isn't much that you can do for it, as horrible as it sounds. Like it, it is basically just something that you, uh, you have to, to do pain management mostly and uh, try to do exercises that make you relax, to almost like try to forget that pain. But there isn't really anything because ultimately it, is, it, it comes from the hormonal changes that happen during pregnancy. Uh -huh. So there isn't a whole pile that you can do to, to just avoid movements that trigger the pain or that worsen the pain. That's basically okay. the most that you can do. Okay. And will it kind of go away after you give birth? For most women, yes. Uh, for most women, it, it can go away. For other women, because you need to remember that the relaxin, which is the, the, the hormone that most, is mostly responsible for that, stays, hangs about in your body when you're breastfeeding. Ah, okay. So, um, and even for example, women who want to do a tummy tuck, mm -hmm. women who want to do a tummy tuck, they have to wait at least, if I'm not mistaken, six months after they stop breastfeeding to, um, to have it because that is the time that is needed for all the laxity, laxity, uh, um, hormone to just go away and oh. the doctor can actually have a picture of where everything actually is. Gotcha. So it just, it takes time. You gotta be patient. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's, I, I've loved having this conversation with you. I think it's so good for other women to understand that like, be patient with your body, let it heal. It's okay. So I'm excited to share this one with everybody. Well, a hundred percent. And I think that, um, it, you know what? I encourage people to unfollow people who don't motivate them. So oh, if, if, if you're looking at somebody and, and, and that person is making you feel like crap because like 
unfollow it. Like, I think it is very important. And, and this is something that I even try to do on my social media as well. Yes, I do post nice photos of myself. Right. But I also post pictures that show what motherhood is. I still have, I train, I eat properly, um, but I still have a bit of loose skin on my belly. And, and that's fine. Yeah. That is fine. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, there's the difference between like, oh, I want to lose weight, so I have to follow this person who's posting pictures and being so like kind of cocky sometimes about, yeah, like I lost all the weight by three weeks. And you're like, well, that's great for you. And now I feel like crap. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Just unfollow <laughs> it and find somebody else who like, find yeah. Natalia who will help you find what is real and expected for your body. Like, yeah. And, and you know what? Like I even made a post today that um, I think that the, uh, because there is this, uh, crazy thing within the fitness industry that um, make people believe that results come overnight and that and, and I don't I don't believe that you have to work for it and I didn't walk out of the, the, the hospital with a six pack Heck, I, it took me a very long time I had to take my kid to uh, to the gym with me in a car seat and I had to drive 35 minutes away because it was the only gym that allowed me to bring a car seat with me. So uh, it is important to create realistic expectations. And I even joked saying that it's hurting my business because I don't sell, oh. I, I don't sell the fad. And, yeah. and that's fine because ultimately it is my moral responsibility as a fitness professional to create realistic expectations and only sell what I know I can deliver. Right. And I, and that's one of those things, like, I love that about your account is that your, your integrity really is like, I'm not going to sell you three days in and you're going to be looking like some hot woman, you know, like, I love that. Oh, thank you. No, I, it's funny. I, I, I had to turn down somebody because she messaged me. She had a baby recently and then she's like, Oh, I need to lose 50 pounds by the first week of April. We are like, right now we're like in, in February, like yeah. mid February. And, and I'm like, I'm sorry, but I, I, it's not healthy. It's yeah. not going to, Oh, but I have to. And I'm like, well, but I'm afraid you're going to have to find another because yeah. I'm not going to do that because ultimately it is my name and it is my reputation. And I think that my reputation in the long term is much more important in me being able to sleep at night. It's much more important than giving somebody the now result, but not the long term commitment that is needed to make changes. Oh, I love that. I really do. Okay. So if any of these listeners are interested in the long term commitment and really making these healthy changes, how can they find you? Uh, well, I'm in many places and I'm very consistent with my, my handle. Um, my website, it's nataliamellofit.com. Uh, Natalia being N-A-T-H-A-L-I-A, Mellowfit. Mm -hmm. uh, my Instagram, same thing, Natalia Mellowfit. Um, Facebook page, Natalia Mellowfit. Uh, YouTube channel where I post a lot of workouts and uh, I'm, I've been posting a lot of interviews with professionals where you were one of my expert uh, interviewers uh, the other day. So I'm excited to post our interview, which is also Natalia Malafit. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I hope um, all you listeners do like take a look at her feed. Um, she has some awesome, awesome, helpful advice. Um, and you do also have a program, right? Yeah. I have a program for moms. It's called the Mother Strong League. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's kind of seasonal in a, in a way that I, I just open its doors a few times a year. Um, right now, at the time of this recording, we're, uh, we're open, closing next week, okay. end of February. Uh, and then we're probably just going to open in another four, three, four months. Um, but again, whenever you go to my website, if um, it's closed, you can always put your email there. And you'll be notified whenever uh, it does come come on sale again. And yeah, I'm looking forward. And if you have any questions, I'm very present on my social media platforms, uh, especially Instagram. I respond every single direct message I receive. It consumes my life and my soul, but I think it is very important. To, uh, to, no, but it is important to stay in touch yeah. and to, to speak to people. And especially when you're selling a, a, a program that it is a year long. Yeah. You do have to set up realistic expectations and you have to take the time to explain to people what they're signing up for. Yeah. So people come with the clear expectations of what it is. Yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I fired somebody today because the lady was like, 
oh, I'm not sure. I'm like, well, if you're not sure, then come back to me when you are. Because if you're not ready to make the commitment to yourself, I can't do that for you. Yeah. You have to be the one to commit. I can guide you, but you make the commitment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, cool. If you're interested, you can find her. Um, I will also put all of those in the podcast notes on my page. Um, so you can see all those links for all your things. Um, honestly, I wish I had found your stuff with my first child because that would have made my life so much easier, (laughs) but I'm glad we've connected now. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Better late than ever. Right. Absolutely. Thank you so much. All right. Bye-bye. This episode was sponsored by the VIPs of awesomeness. The VIPs are the first ones who get their questions answered and the topics that they're curious about covered in upcoming episodes. They get first dibs. Supporters who become VIPs get to ask me their specific questions and get them covered. So you can become a VIP for as little as 99 cents a month at anchor.fm forward slash more dash than dash enough slash support. If that was too long for you, there's a link right below in the show notes. Just click on support this podcast and sign up. So excited to get answering your questions next.